Hello Apaches, and thank you so much for listening in to the 22nd episode of Season 2 of the Keeping It Arcadia podcast, brought to you by the students in Arcadia High School's Digital Communications Internship, or DCI for short. My name is Jeffrey Lee, and I'm the host. Today we have interviews with three very exceptional Arcadia High School students, the first being guitarist Julia Noji. Next up, we have ASB Junior Class President Braden Wong on his tips on time management, which I desperately need. And last but not least, we have next year's Apache Powwow newspaper editor-in-chief Brandon Chen and everything you need to know about Powwow. Don't forget to check this podcast episode's descriptions for the timestamps. Now, let's head right on over to podcast member Layla Nunez and her interview with Julia. Hello, my name is Layla Nunez and I am here interviewing Julia Noji, a fingerstyle guitarist. So my first question is, what got you into music? Um, well, I was watching a video of John Denver on TV, and I don't know what went into my brain, but I really wanted to be like him, so that's why I wanted to get into guitar. And when did you start playing the guitar? I started playing when I was nine, so that's about fourth grade. And you're a senior right now? Yes. So that's a long time playing. <laughs> what makes your style of playing so unique? Um, I think it's unique because I don't use any picks, so I just use my fingers, and that's pretty much it. How do you arrange your music? Like, what is your creative process? Um, so first I pick out a song, so it's usually a popular song that everyone knows. Um, and then next I start to try to find the chords. Um, and then after that, I try to find like where the melody is and then the background and stuff like that. And then I just kind of play around with it, see what I like, see what I don't like. And um, it's just kind of like experimenting a lot. I don't really have a set kind of um, process so does it take a while to create this um in the beginning it took a very long time it took like a week for wow. me because i i was so new to it at first but mm -hmm. what, after practicing for a really long time and making so many videos it it uh is that process started to get shorter and shorter so right now i can make um like a cover for instagram in like 10 minutes if i if I really know this song and I really like it. So. so you post these videos on Instagram. Yes. Why did you decide to publish your work on social media? Um, I decided to put it on social media because a lot of the people that I saw on YouTube, they were putting it on YouTube and on Instagram, and I thought it was a good way for me to put my content out there without actually performing live and having to go through all that, that uh, complicated process. Mm -hmm. So, Were you scared about sharing this talent with your peers? Um, at first, yeah, I actually put my account on private, so I only let my close friends watch it. But after them saying this is so good, like you should, you should um, make it not private. I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should. Maybe. So you had lots of support. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good. Um, recently, you were actually noticed by Nick Jonas, and yes. he commented. What was your reaction to that? Um, I was just kind of like. I couldn't really believe it. I kept refreshing the page to make sure that it was true, <laughs> yeah. and I screenshotted it and everything. And I was just, I was just blown away. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it must have been amazing to earn <laughs> that recognition. Um, so you've been playing for a while. Do you have advice for beginning guitar learners? Um, yeah, a lot. I get that question a lot actually, and um, I did take private lessons, but I also I learned most of what I do from YouTube. So I learned a lot of the basics from private lessons, like chords, scales, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of already familiar with the guitar, but learning how to do fingerstyle and arranging my own music, I, I really just learned that from watching other people do it. So Cool. So you use your resources. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you working on anything right now? Um, I did a couple of days ago. I um, 
I usually I take requests sometimes when I can't find any really good mm -hmm. songs. So um, doing songs that other people really want to want me to do, it's it's kind of like giving back to like those people who yeah. support me. So um, it's also a good way to, for me to find other music to play. Yeah. So I had like maybe ten requests. So I did all of those songs in about a week. Wow. So I have like I and then I I have those songs in like a list. So every other day I post them. So I have like six songs right now. I think so. <laughs> 10 songs in a week wow <laughs> and then just to promote yourself a little where can you others find your music uh you can find it on youtube uh, mainly instagram if you want to find like a lot of different songs um or soundcloud and then i also post uh sheet music on selfie.com so you can go check it out there okay thank yeah. you thank you next we have brayden wong the asb junior class president and his tips to successful time management Hey, Brayden. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeffrey, your local procrastinator. Brayden, I heard you last week speaking at Timely Thursday. Could you uh, briefly skim over some of the advice that you gave us? Absolutely. So a quick shout out. I have so many ideas to give today, um, but I know that I won't be able to cover all of them. I do plan on opening a blog in the near future where I will share all of the ideas that I have. And I have a lot of them uh, about time management, about creativity, about all of the different things, philosophies of life. And if you could support me, that'd be awesome. So the first, um, the first tip that I will give you about time management, I will first say this. You have to realize that time is important, but you need to not stress over it. So the, the quote I covered in our seminar is, and it's really long. I just thought of it. Okay, um, It's not really optimized for shortness, but it's time is blind to context, but context will only give your time value. You have to understand that context is everything because context sets up time to be valuable. You know, the five minutes I'm talking to you in this interview is the same five minutes that you can spend, you know, talking to your friend. And, you know, the, the five minutes you spend waiting for the bus is the same five minutes that determines whether or not you can fail or pass the test. Time doesn't care about the context. Time doesn't care if those five minutes are you just eating your breakfast or those five minutes are the difference between life or death. Time doesn't care. Time's going to keep on going. Time doesn't care if you're on your deathbed and those five minutes is everything you need to stay alive or those five minutes are just what you need to make by. Time doesn't care. Time keeps on going on. And I made a good analogy during, in, during the meeting. You know, Lunch is 41 minutes at our school. Imagine if you use those 41 minutes every day you know, without the context of just eating lunch. Imagine if you went to bed 41 minutes earlier every single day. That's important to realize. But time has no inherent value. Time is latent. It just sits there. You just use it. Everyone has the same amount. The reason why some people, though, succeed and some people do not as much is because people know how to maximize the returns from the same amount of time. So you have to do two different actions that I believe are important. There's there's one type. It's setting up value. And the second one is achieving value. Setting up value is easy. It's, it's studying for the test, you know. It's practicing. It's making things count. And creating value is more important. It's when you perform. It's when you change things. It's when you make change about your routine. It's when you change people's perceptions. It's when you challenge the status quo. It's when you perform. Those are the two things, really. You want to make create value in your life. And that's done by using the universal currency that we all have, time. Now, I don't want, though, people, and this is the second half, I don't want you to stress about using all your time because time is your friend. Time passing is your friend. Do not make it the enemy. Stress is your friend. 
stress is not the enemy. There's a good study, you know. Uh, I, I read in a very interesting TED talk. You know, your body cannot tell the difference between anxiety or excitement. Literally, it feels the exact same response. The only difference is your brain's response to a situation. Physiologically, it's almost the exact same state. Understand? So if you tell yourself that you're excited over anxious, your body can literally not feel the difference. So if you have anxiety because you know, you're losing time, you have to understand, you don't need to. If you just believe that it's not anxiety, or you believe that stress is good for you, it will be the case. We're, told, we're telling our narrative that you know stress is bad, wasting time is bad. No, it's not. Wasting time is amazing for creativity. And I said in the, in the seminar, if you meditate, what is the purpose of meditation? Part of it is just sitting down, breathing, but waiting time to pass. Just letting time pass. You see, when you do that, nothing's happening, okay? The reason why it's so relaxing is you have all these things. You have a million things on your plate. But as you spend those five minutes, the world hasn't exploded. You haven't died yet. The deadlines haven't changed. But nothing bad has happened to you. You have no reason to fear. So understand that time passing is really just a natural process. Do you really have anything to fear about time passing? No. The thing you fear is the deadlines. You don't fear the time passing. You don't fear every second slipping by. The only reason why you would ever fear that is because the deadline in the next second is what you're thinking about. So stop focusing on the deadlines. Just focus on the present. Just focus on time passing and let it pass. And you know, if you have nothing better to do, yeah, you just breathe. Just meditate, whatever. Think creative thoughts. Boredom is the best state to, to find creativity. And so I hope you guys all take that into account when you're trying to plan your lives and making time management. And are there any other awesome study hacks and tricks that you have that you weren't able to share in that short meeting? Absolutely. So three things that I do that are really important, I believe you should do every day. The first thing is very simple, and I'm sure you're accustomed to. I do some Pomodoros, or basically, I don't care what schedule you use. You just need to schedule breaks, because when you work and you ever forget to take breaks, uh, it can be pretty detrimental to your overall long-term uh, you know, motivation during the day. Of course, there are some times where you need to you know, sit down and just write. Like if I'm writing, sometimes I will go two hours in uninterrupted, uh, uninterrupted blocks because that's to help out creativity. But otherwise, take regular breaks. That's the first tip. Most pretty important. The second thing, I think, is probably get enough sleep. You need to prioritize your sleep. There, there's no compromises in this agreement. You should always have enough energy in the day that you feel excited to wake up. You know, And uh, the next thing is every single morning, create something start the day by creating something something that you own you know um, because you have to make something tangible you want to make an impact on this world make one every single morning you know people say make your bed yeah make your bed go and do it or you want to write an article go ahead and do it create something create something that gives you value because when you start the morning with that the entire day feels so much better and you feel accomplished you start off with an accomplishment, you will end with many accomplishments. That's how life works. I think that's three. Uh, I'll add another one though. It's optimize your habitat. Now say, if everyone always knows, like if you have an issue with eating because there's nuts on the counter every single day, if you lock those nuts in a safe and lock that safe in your closet and you lock that closet and the door to that closet, would you ever eat those nuts again? 
you're like, oh, I really want to eat nuts today. But I, then I have to go and unlock the door, then I have to unlock the closet, then I have to unlock the safe. It's too inconvenient. So my belief especially is optimizing your habitat to try to make things very inconvenient for the behaviors you don't want and the things that you do want very convenient. So of course I have my journal on my desk every day if I want to write. When I open my computer, it's already open to all the tabs I need. I only believe you should have one tab open as much as possible because anything more than that, you're trying to encourage multitasking and that's not good. Um, and then the biggest thing that I configure on my computer is I block YouTube. I block YouTube except, okay, so this is the way it works. YouTube subscriptions, search, doesn't work. But if I have a redirect to a YouTube link, it will work only under certain conditions. And also, I've blocked the feed of recommended uh, recommended videos of YouTube. So if I'm watching a video on YouTube, I have a script uh, in my ad blocker that will block all the videos on the right sidebar. So it's all blank. So all I can do is watch that one video and then get back to work. I just believe, you know, YouTube is optimized to waste your time. You need to fight back, right? Of course, I have another uh, profile on my computer where YouTube is enabled. I actually have two profiles on my work, uh, computer, two Windows profiles. There's one that's for work and one for play. So the one with play has YouTube and has all the games and everything. But if I'm working, I want it just in a completely different profile, a completely different habitat. If you work in the same place you play, like that's cool, yeah, but it can be so much better if you separate the work from play. If that's what, you know, I mean, it's very important. And a lot of people even say you should work in a different room than where you sleep because your bedroom's only where you sleep. Now, unfortunately, I can't do that because I have a very small room but um, and there's nowhere else to move my stuff, but I would do that in the future, definitely. So optimize your habitat. That's the fourth one. Optimize your habitat. Obviously, time management includes study skills. Did you build up your study skills over time or were you just born with it? Oh, yeah. There's an amazing proverb, English proverb. It goes like this. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Necessity is the mother of all invention. I know for a fact that when I started, I was not the best at time management or, you know, studying at all. But I realized along the way, because I kept on adding things, that things weren't just, I was not creating enough value. And I realized along the way, there's a difference between efficiency and effectiveness. So I'd been focusing a lot about efficiency. What they always say is this, efficiency is doing things right and effectiveness is doing the right things. Efficiency is doing things right and effectiveness is doing the right things. I was not doing the right things. The greatest thing you can do for your time management is not to focus all the, your energy on being efficient, but realizing that no matter how efficient you're doing something, it doesn't matter unless you're doing the right thing, unless you're doing it effectively. So uh, to answer the question, I was not born with study skills. Uh, it was really in high school where I learned all of this. But I do have experience with using all of the tools. I've been experimenting ever since I was in eighth grade. I'm a very big tinkerer, and I believe anybody should if you really want to find out what works best for you. Just out of curiosity, how do you break out of that cycle of feeling that work never ends? And how much free time do you give yourself? So first off, I actually love the feeling of always working. So I really do not actually intentionally break out of the cycle of feeling of work. I love it because every time I work, I feel like I have a purpose. You know, there's, there's, if I don't have a purpose for my work, then why am I working? That's just the question I always ask myself. Uh, there's another quote I remember that Simon Sinek made. It goes like this. When you do the things that you love, it's called passion. But when you do the things that you don't love or you don't believe in, it's stress. 
And I'm not sure I nailed it quietly. Um, that might not be the exact quote, but that's exactly what I mean. Uh, so if work is always giving you purpose, I feel like the cycle of work is not really feeling work, right? And so free time I give myself um, <laughs> a lot, uh, but, but you know, the free time I think, I think free time is important for creativity. And, you know, creativity always battles with productivity because when you're trying to set time limits, it just doesn't work on your creative cycle. Uh, but free time in general, like um, I usually take about five minute breaks, you know, you know, like the how Pomodoro works. So I take five minutes every 25 minutes or so. It really depends on the way I'm feeling. But in general, I feel excited enough to do my work that I just want to do it and then go to sleep. And last but not least, what motivates you to work hard? Man, the thing that makes me want to work hard, it really is belief. Um, and, you know, everyone has a narrative. Everyone has a narrative. Everyone th knows what they're good at, or they at least think they know what they're good at. And they know what they're bad at, so they kind of feel like what they know they're bad at. Uh, my narrative is very different, right? My narrative is empowering. Uh, my narrative is, when I see someone, when I see, like, do you know those, like, child prodigies who, like, play the violin really well, or they study awesomely? My instinct is not to say, oh, man. That sucks. That means I'm way behind. My response, my narrative is, hey, I, if he can do it at that age of nine, why can't I do it when I'm 16? Right? So my response to challenge and to people who are better than me is not exclusive. It's not thinking I can't reach that. In fact, it almost always is, I, I'm just like them. I can be just like them. All I need to do is work hard. So, you know, I'm doesn't matter if it's true or not, okay? Just think about if you didn't believe you could reach there. Are you actually ever going to have a chance? You have to believe that you can reach the level you're attaining. It doesn't matter if you actually physically can't. Because if you don't believe, there's no guarantee at all that you'll ever reach it. So, you know, why do I work hard? I work hard because I believe that anything comes with hard work. And maybe that's a, you know, maybe that's a faulty mindset. But it's an empowering one. I don't want to ever feel that the reason why I'm not at the top is because I'm not talented or that I don't have the necessary skill sets. Because I know that anybody who gets to the top has to invest some level of work. And whether or not they have more talent than me or not, I will gladly work harder than them then to make that difference up. And so if you guys are having this struggle, especially with school, you don't know exactly what to do. You know, if work, working hard is, is really hard at school, I'm sure. You have to understand, you have to think of the bigger picture. Uh, anybody who's living in this fixed mindset or, or just seeing deadlines and reacting to them, it's not a good way to live life. You have to think about the, the deadlines in a longer and bigger scale. You have to think, where do I actually end up after school? You have to start imagining that. Because if it's something that you're passionate about, it will motivate you to work hard no matter what cost it is, and you will need that belief. Thank you so much for your time, Brayden. Now let's hop on over to Brandon Chen on why Powwow is awesome and how to get involved. Hello everyone, I'm Jeffrey. And I'm Layla. And we're here with Brandon, who is the next year's editor-in-chief of Powwow. Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about Powwow? The Apache Powwow is Arcadia High School's student newspaper and is completely student-run and has been published continuously since Arcadia High School's founding in 1952. It covers topics such as school, local, and world news, as well as various activities and pop cultures prevalent throughout our campus. That's interesting. So does Powell 
just out of curiosity, does Power release monthly newspapers or just whenever a new article comes out? As of right now, we have a publishing schedule in which we publish articles on the website every single week. So like every single Friday, you can check us out on the website at theapachepowwow.net. And there, you guys can see articles covering a whole plethora of topics that I just mentioned before. Also, we publish an in-print version, a quote-unquote in-print version online once a month. That's amazing. Okay. How do you generate ideas for your articles? So for writers who generate story ideas, they essentially send in story ideas to editors and editors-in-chief to get and our advisor, Miss Lee, and to get them approved and eventually written and published. So let's get into more about how to get involved in powwow. Is powwow a school class, and can you do it outside class? And how much? And if you can, how much of a time commitment is it? So as of right now, powwow is a school class and also an outside thing. Like you could either be in class or freelance, and it, there really is no requirement. But we really encourage writers to be in the class as they're able to to have to get advice from other editors, other peer members, and to really grow as a writer and as a person. What's the process of writing an article to publication? So as I mentioned before, the beginning is story ideas. That's like the backbone of everything, right? Mm -hmm. So writers submit their story ideas in to editors. Editors choose some certain story ideas and get them approved by the editors-in-chief and, and our advisor, Ms. Lee. And from there, they get assigned their articles and assignments. From there, they have deadlines for roughs, rough drafts and final drafts. And throughout this whole process, we also have a team of copy editors making sure that each article fits our style guide and is ready to publish. Awesome. So just in general, what are some tips you can give me to become a better writer? Because I'm seriously in need of that. Well, to become a better writer, join Powwow. <laughs> we have our whole team of copy editors, editors, editors-in-chief, and our advisor, Ms. Lee, looking over every single article being published. And there you can learn so much, especially as we follow a style guide, which we follow grammar, grammar rules that can help your SAT, wink, wink. <laughs> and, and also, it really, really just being in the organization, being, being practicing and like, publishing articles and writing all the time, it really helps you grow as a writer and as a person. Got it. You mentioned joining Powwow. Where do I find the applications? When are they due? So right now, applications are out, and you can find our applications on our Google Classroom with the code G-O-Y-E-M-T. And they are due on March 29th. What do you look for in a story, and how do you choose which ones do get published and which ones don't? So it's really up to the editors, but essentially what we really look for is what students will relate to. So maybe like a poll with students, in a, with student interviews. Like we're trying to get every article to have a student interview or a student quote, or just a quote in general. And so to have it relate to the students, to make, it, to make it really interesting to read and really applicable to student life. Thank you so much for your time, Brandon. Join the Apache Powwow. <laughs> <laughs> and that will conclude this episode. This has been Jeffrey with Arcadia High School's DCI, and the podcast team hopes you've enjoyed our 22nd episode of the school year. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe for more weekly content. Please visit the list of all our episodes on our new AUSD DCI page. The link is DCI ausd.weebly.com. We would also like to thank Arcadia Unified School District Chief Communications Officer, Mr. Ryan Ferran, and Public Information Officer, Ms. Amber Nuvali, for leading and managing the Digital Communications Internship at AUSD. Without them, none of this would be possible. Thank you, and we will see you next week. This is AUSD DCI signing off.